Today we continue our five-week journey through Jesus' first big public speech, the Sermon on the Mount. In this passage, Jesus tackles the most controversial topics of his day, anger, adultery, divorce, and swearing. Jesus uses comical exaggeration to make a serious point. Any behavior that breaks relationships also breaks God's heart and has no place in the kingdom of heaven. This is the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said of those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you're even angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come to offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with them. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you'll be thrown into prison. And truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it was said of those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is the throne of God, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Don't swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Seriously, before we dive into all of that, I, I do just want to say, um, especially uh, regarding divorce, when they talk about divorce in this passage, divorce in Bible times is completely different than what we think of when we think of divorce now. Um, divorce back then is something that would abandon a woman and leave her um, with no financial resources of any kind and no availability to access them for the rest of her life, no way to provide for herself or her children. Um, it was a huge act of economic injustice uh, and hardship inflicted upon women. So please know that if divorce or remarriage is part of your story, this passage is not talking about you. Um, and in the Lutheran Church, at least, we absolutely honor that as we understand divorce now, um, it, it can be God's will and can be absolutely the right, most healing, most wholesome thing that um, people can decide to do. So just know that, first of all. And then, let me tell you uh, about this tradition that uh, Cross of Life has had for a long time, thanks to Pastor John Horner Eibler, which is the tradition of something called a vignette, which is essentially a mini skit. And we do them sometimes in place of the sermon, like we will today. Um, and it's just a different way um, to tackle some of the 
topics that come up in our scriptures. And per John's tradition at Unity, you know that a vignette is finished when the actors say, done. <laughs> so listen for that as you go along. The one other thing you need to know before this vignette um, is that, of course, our food pack is coming up. Raise your hand if you've participated in a food pack through Unity before. So some of you know, if you haven't, there are these massive volunteer events where people make teams of assembly lines and combine rice and soy and vegetables to make these packets of emergency food for people in places like El Salvador where food access is a really big deal. We have one of those coming up in a month. And so this vignette is what you get when you try to combine subliminal advertising for that food pack with one of the toughest and most commonly misunderstood passages in scripture. It's gonna star Jeff Stark as the one-eyed, one-armed food packer, and myself as the uh, incredibly wise typecasting rabbi. And this is a vignette that we like to call they gotcha with their guzma. Okay, one scoop of rice. One scoop of soy. Tablespoon of dehydrated vegetables, level with knife. <laughs> Teaspoon of vitamins, level with knife. Sign up for the food pack, they said. It'll be easy. They said it'd be fun, they said. If it weren't for the fact that hundreds of thousands of undernourished people in El Salvador will receive life-sustaining meals for just $43.25 a box, I would never have even tried this. But I give up. It's too hard. That's it. I'm going to throw in the towel. Now, if only I find a towel to throw Excuse me? What do you think you're doing? Uh, sorry, I was trying to find a towel to throw. What? You know, throw in the towel? I want to throw in the towel. You want to throw in the towel. And you thought you had to have a literal towel to throw. Um, this, excuse me, sir, is not a towel. This is a prayer shawl. A prayer shawl? Why do you have a prayer shawl? Are you Jewish? Yes, 
Yes, I am, and I'm a rabbi, and I am praying, or I was anyway, but, oh my, <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm trying to volunteer at the food pack. You, you see, we prepare these bags of rice and soy and dehydrated vegetables, seasoning and vitamins to prepare fortified meals for our friends in El Salvador. Most of them make less than $5 a day, so they often have to choose between paying for food or paying for fare for their kids to get to school safely. We want to get 500 volunteers to pack over 100,000 meals, but we needed 72 more volunteers and 22 more sponsors to make it happen, so I decided to try to volunteer. You're usually able to pack a whole box, that's 218 meals, in about an hour. But with my whole one arm and one eye situation, it's going to take me forever to finish. <sighs> if I were even ever going to finish. Rabbis are supposed to be super wise, right? Mm -hmm. What should I do, Rabbi? Hmm, let's see. You wanted to do a food pack. You thought you needed an actual towel to throw. You have one eye, one arm, and let, let's see. Ah, yep, both on the right side, just as I suspected. Matthew 5 has claimed another victim. What? They got you with their Guzma. Huh? This is a classic case of gotcha with their Guzma. Let me guess. You read the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Yes. And you are a big-hearted and conscientious person. Yes. And you always really want to do the right thing. Yes. And you sometimes have angry, judgmental, and lustful thoughts. Yes. Ah, and you struggle with understanding metaphor. What's a metaphor? I knew it! You read Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. You know that those very high standards you don't always live up to. So you tore out your eye and you chopped off your arm and you threw them away. Yep. Oh, Jeff. Jeff, 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 how foolish you are. Here, come here, Jeff. Come here, come here. Jeff, haven't you ever heard of Guzma? No. Have any of you? Guzma! Guzma, it's the tradition of rabbinical hyperbole. Rabbis have been using it for centuries. It's where you make a wildly exaggerated claim. It's not meant to be taken literally. It's meant to grab your attention and point you to a bigger truth. Many of our teachings are told thusly, as the sages say, anyone who interprets our Torah literally, Torah are the Jewish holy scriptures, anyone who interprets the Torah literally misinterprets the meaning. They are not intended to be taken literally. Uh, so you mean I didn't have to pull out my eye and cut off my arm? No. And I won't be dragged before the council for making fun of my brother? No, no. And I won't be thrown in prison if I let an unresolved argument fester? No! And God doesn't think I'm unfaithful if I'm not still in my first marriage? Definitely not. Oh. And God's not going to throw me in hell when I die for falling, failing to do these things? No. 
Oh, great. Okay, uh, I'll see ya. Uh, I'm off to anger and adulter and divorce and swear up a storm. Oh, whoa, 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 Okay, let's keep talking, let's keep talking, let's keep talking. Come back, Jeff. Okay, okay, now, let's keep talking. Jeff, just because we don't take these words literally doesn't mean we don't take them seriously. They are serious. They are as serious as life and death. But, but you said God wouldn't throw me in hell when I die. Right, right. No, that's true. This is not about where you go when you die. This is about what kind of life you get to have right now, before you die. If you ignore and break all of God's commandments, God's not going to need to throw you in hell because you will already be living in a hell of your own creation. The kind of hell where pride prevents arguments from ever being resolved and the kind of hell where trust is easily broken, and the kind of hell where truth is just used and abused so readily that you can't ever know if you can trust what someone is actually saying to you. That does sound awful. Right. But a little bit familiar. Yeah. Of course it does, right? Because Jesus understood people. He was one, after all, a rabbi, a very, very wise rabbi, and he knew that we need to challenge the things within ourselves that are most likely to cause us to fail, most likely to cause us to break relationships. So that's definitely pride, lack of mercy, faithlessness, dishonesty. That's why the Sermon on the Mount is so unrepentantly demanding because Jesus knows how much harm we can and do inflict on each other all the time. Jesus wants to protect us from the worst versions of ourselves. So Jesus exaggerates wildly to make a point, just like any good rabbi would. Okay, he isn't literally telling me to right. cut off my body parts. Right. So what is Jesus telling us? Ah, I'm so glad you asked that, Jeff, because Jesus is delivering new interpretations for old laws ones that really get to the heart of the matter. And Jesus is telling us that God sets the highest of standards for how we treat each other. And Jesus is telling us that God's plan for you is that you would be whole. I know. Whoa. And God's plan for the world is that the world would be whole. And God's plan is that you would be part of making that wholeness happen. That sounds hard. Oh, it is. It is hard. But you know what? You don't have to do it perfectly, and you don't have to do it alone. This is like Jesus' way of saying, shoot for the moon. And if you miss, at least you'll end up among the stars. What about when we totally mess it up? Ah, for times like that, ours is a God of grace and mercy. Doesn't sound like it from this passage. That's true, that's true. And so thank God, literally, that this passage is not the entirety of our holy scriptures. Sometimes we as the people of God, we kind of need a kick in the pants. And for that purpose, this passage serves very well. But remember, God is less like a drill sergeant, just waiting for you to make a mistake, and more like someone watching a skateboarder trying to learn a new trick. 
They're going to fall down a ton. But just imagine God's glee when even once we perfectly nail that landing. Uh, but you're a rabbi from the time of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they had spectacles, and I don't think they knew about skateboarders either. Ah, Jeff, metaphor, seriously, it will blow your world wide open. Plus, what's a unity vignette without a little illogical time travel, right? As I was saying, ours is a God of second chances. In Judaism, we have a whole holiday just for that. It's called Pesach Shanai, the second Passover. And it's for anybody who didn't get their offering quite right for the actual Passover. And in your tradition, communion. Every week, no matter what's happened in your week, you get to come up to this altar and be totally forgiven and have a fresh start. Ours is a God of a million billion second chances. A million billion? Is that even a number? How uh, will I keep track of how many I get left? Ah, gotcha with the Guzma again. A million billion is like a Jewish way of saying infinite. With our God, we get infinite second chances. We can always begin again. And thank goodness, hey, because when your example is Jesus and your work is the Lord's on this side of heaven, you are never done. done.